we've been in the uh, series and infallible uh, proofs for a little while now, and um, it's coming to a close soon. Uh, but prayerfully, we will take some confidence, uh, some confidence out with us when we uh, exit the series. Um, The Lord doesn't want us to be uh, wavering, and he doesn't want us to be uninformed. So we thank God for his word, and I thank God for the series. Amen? Amen. It's been blessing me. (laughs) It's been blessing me. We're going to today, we're going to continue in the book of John. We're going to continue in the book of John in the 21st chapter we uh we left the disciples last week having breakfast with the lord by the sea what they had for breakfast uh, yeah yeah they did that doesn't mean y'all was listening that mean you read it before <laughs> grilled fish <laughs> yes yeah, so john chapter 21 John chapter 21. No, No. turn it down a little bit. Yeah. Working on my signals. (laughs) John chapter 21, and I will begin reading at verse 14. John chapter 21, verse 14. It says... This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they, <clears throat> when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said, because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. Let's pray. Father, we 
thank you again, again, and again for your word. We thank you for this time and the space to come together, Lord, and, and worship and to um, hear your, your word and your voice um, move, Lord, in us by the power of your spirit. Uh, have your way in us, Lord. Uh, allow us to surrender in this time, our minds, our hearts, our, our wills, Lord. Um, be glorified, Lord, we pray in this time. Father, I ask for a fresh anointing to preach, an anointing to receive your word, to come and uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength, my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. For years, because I, I spent a long, a long time working with children and youth, for years, I was required to be certified in CPR and first aid. Y'all didn't know I was certified. I'm not anymore, but I was. Um, I, I don't remember too much of it uh, anymore, so I don't want anyone to get sick in here today. Well, we do have a couple of nurses. Hopefully, they remember it. Um, amen, amen, amen. See that? The Lord knows what we have need of. <laughs> but um, one thing that did stick with me about the CPR training, and I don't know if they changed it now, was the, was the cadence of, it was check, call, care. Check, call, care. And, and uh, you check the scene, make sure there's no more danger. Uh, and then you call 911 and you care for the person, right? Um, one important thing, though, that, that I remembered about the call the call for 911 is that we were taught if we were in a crowd or a group and needed someone to call 911, we were never to yell out, somebody call 911. We were always supposed to point, to point somebody out, point someone out and say, you, call 911. Uh, the reason for that is that if we just called out for someone to do it, Everybody might think somebody else was doing it, and then nobody would end up doing it. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what happens in the church. An announcement is made, and if you don't say you, everybody might think everybody else is doing it. In the text today, though, Jesus uh, moves from a, a larger group uh, hearing his word and his direction uh, to, to interaction uh, with a specific disciple. Uh, he points specifically and personally at one of his disciples. In the matters of life and death, Jesus calls him by name and directs Peter to follow him. He directs Peter to follow him. Today we're going to uh, talk about the, the, the cost of the calling. The cost of the calling. Um, just an idea, a big idea, thought to take away if you are in the habit of drifting off. Each of us are called to follow Jesus with a sacrificial love. Each of us are called to follow Jesus with a sacrificial love. After helping the disciples catch uh, 153 fish, and sitting down to have a, a nice grilled breakfast with them, 
Still out on the shore of Galilee, Jesus takes up an intimate conversation with one of them. Uh, this, this is uh, no, no regular conversation, though. We just want to keep everything in perspective. Remember, it was not long ago that they saw this same Jesus beaten, crucified, and buried. Now, here he is having a conversation. Everything he does and says now carries the weight of him actually being resurrected. As he pulls aside Peter here to uh, both restore and relaunch him into his calling, he plainly lays out for him the cost of that calling, the cost of the calling. Three Three facts about the calling that can be overheard in the conversation uh, with Peter is that the calling is rooted in love. The calling is rooted in love. Uh, the The other thing you can hear is that the calling is marked by sacrifice. The calling is marked by sacrifice. And the third thing is that the calling has a set course. The calling has a set course. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The meal is, is, is finished, and, and now it's time for conversation between the Lord and his disciple. Uh, in typical to to Jesus and his teaching and his interaction, he begins with a question. And he points it directly at Simon Peter. Uh, uh, Simon Peter, uh, uh, his his birth name would have just been Simon. Peter was the nickname that Jesus gave him when he met him. Uh, uh, Jesus was speaking into the potential future of Simon when he uh, called him Peter. He said he would be called Cephas or Peter, which is the same thing, and it meant rock uh, for the foundational role that Peter was going to carry out in the church. But uh, uh, here he just calls him Simon. Peter hasn't been looking like a rock lately. Sometimes we don't look like what the Lord has called us to be. But that doesn't mean that's not what we are. It's, I got one amen. We'll move. Uh, uh, he, he, he asked him, do you love me more than these in the, in the exchange between Peter and Jesus, uh, it, it seems to be repetitious, but something different is happening. There, there's different words being used, and things are switching up a little. Peter, uh, um, uh, two different Greek words are, are being used referencing love. And I promise I won't use too many Greek words, because right? I don't know too many Greek words. <laughs> in, in English... Uh, so in English, we make it simple by only having one word for love, right? Or does that make it confusing when you use that word for your wife and you use that word for that hamburger you just ate? Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesus uses the word 
agapao. Agapao. It's, it, is a, it describes love. It is a, a willful love that holds its object at high value. Uh, uh, it's, it's a different kind of love. Uh, it, it, is, it is the love that commits to the object that is directed toward. Uh, it, it is a love that seeks the best for someone else, no matter what the cost is to the giver. The, the agapao, that love that Jesus is speaking of here. Peter uses the word phileo. Uh, it, it's it's a, a brotherly love, like my hometown of Philadelphia. Uh, it, it is a it's a it's a warm feeling of, of friendship, fondness, affection. That that that's the word that Peter is using. So the Lord is using this high commitment word, and Peter's using this buddy buddy word. <laughs> Uh, love, love, and, and people try not to make too much of a distinction, but I think Peter made a distinction, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, I, I know if you don't get it because we don't get Greek, because that's Greek. Uh, when, I, when I was younger, uh, the, di- the direction of a dating relationship could always be determined when the question was asked by one of the parties, do you love me? When things weren't going well, the, the, the distinction was usually made like this. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. You heartbreakers. <laughs> heartbreakers. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Uh, that's because English, we only had that one word. We, uh, uh, there's something to that. The word in was used to qualify the love as something that was uh, 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 committed and faithful. I'm in love. Uh, Jesus is asking Peter about a higher committed kind of love, and Peter is responding with a more ordinary, affectionate love of a friend. Uh, Jesus eventually uses the same word as Peter, um, but looking at what Peter writes later, we get the idea that he understood the difference and the power of this love that Jesus asked for. In First Peter 4 and 8, he teaches others to hold on to their love as it covers a multitude of sin. Peter learned all about that from Jesus. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, <clears throat> he teaches others to add to their brother, brotherly affection that love that they already had, uh, the phileo, um, to, to add to that this type of love that Jesus spoke of, the agapao uh, that, that Jesus was asking for. He said, that's a sign of your, your growth and your maturity and your salvation. He said, add to it. So he, he knew that there was some kind of a difference or he learned that there was a difference. The first time Jesus asked, do you love me? He adds the words more than these. It, it's debated by, by theologians and, and other uh, smart people. That, that the these that Jesus is uh, referring to is, uh, one camp says that because of the context of the recent fishing scenario there on the shore, that the these, more than these, that, that uh, it refers to fish. Uh, that, that's one camp, uh, alluding to Peter's old vocation of fishing. 
Uh, do you love me more than these, your old life? Do you love me more than these? Uh, do you love uh, your job more than me? Uh, uh, now, that, that seems like a good question. He, he did just have to draw Peter out of the water, out of the boat again. Uh, it, it, may, it, it, may, uh, it, it could be a reasonable question for us today. Um, in this generation where jobs seem to dictate most of life, asking 40 to 70 hours a week, uh, uh, leaving little time for family and sometimes even little time for church. Uh, but, but there's another group. There's another group that believes that Jesus is asking a different thing. He's, he's asking about uh, the other disciples when he says more than these. And not, not do you love me more than you love them, but do you love me more than they love me? This, this is also a, is reasonable, not only because um, the disciples are close by in the context, and, uh, but because of Peter's confident claims leading up to the arrest of Jesus. Uh, uh, when, when after Jesus had prophesied that the disciples would desert him when they got under fire, uh, Peter boldly declared, even if all these guys run off on you and are unfaithful, I'll stick with you. I'm your guy, Lord. You, you can check it out. That's my version, but you can check out Matthew 26, uh, uh, 30 through 33. Uh, and, and saying this by comparison, he makes his commitment and love greater than the commitment or love of the others. Anybody remember how that worked out for Peter? It was, a, it was an epic fail, right? Um, he ends up denying even knowing Jesus three times. So some, some believe Jesus is checking back in to see if Peter still exalts his faithfulness and love above the other disciples when he asked this question. And so even though I, I'm, I'm of the camp that thinks the these refers to the disciples, uh, I believe that what Jesus is getting at with Peter, the love that he's asking about is large enough to include Peter abandoning his old fishing vocation as well. Uh, Jesus is after Peter for a total commitment. He, he, a love that demonstrates itself in faithful action. That's what Jesus is after with Peter. Uh, the demonstration that, that Jesus gives, because uh, can, anyone can say that I love you, the demonstration that Jesus gives is, it, it, for, of the love he's calling for is that he wants Peter to tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. Uh, uh, to tend the sheep is to, is to lead them to pasture, to, to herd them, to gather them, to, to look after them, to care for, to watch over. In other words, he wants them to shepherd his sheep. A, a, a part of this uh, uh, shepherding is also to feed them. Jesus says, give them their daily sustenance. Take care of my sheep, Peter. Jesus isn't um, switching Peter's vocation from fishing to shepherding, though. This is the metaphor that Jesus uses to represent the care that Peter will need to exercise with those that Jesus, is, that Jesus calls his sheep. They belong to Jesus. The, one, the ones that Jesus talked about in John chapter 10, the ones who would hear his voice and the ones who know him, the ones that he knows and that he laid down his life to save. 
the people who respond to the gospel, the sheep of Jesus, he's entrusting them to Peter. It's amazing. After Peter's failure, Jesus is actually giving Peter another chance here. Uh, He's restoring him and calling him to care for his sheep. Has anybody ever been amazed by God giving you another chance? Like, really, God? (laughs) I really messed that up. (laughs) But he gives you another chance. Call Call it a grace, I guess. Jesus was actually demonstrating what it, what it looks like to care for his sheep as he talks with Peter. It, it's an object lesson right in front of Peter's eyes, what it looks like. He shows uh, Peter um, love that restores and love that endures. Uh, he was demonstrating it for him. When, when Peter had not demonstrated his love, Jesus calls him close and gives him the opportunity for his love to be strengthened. It's what it looks like to shepherd the sheep. Um, This situation uh, that we're listening into is punctuated by by three, uh, by things occurring in threes as well. It was interesting. It's against the backdrop of Peter's three denials of knowing Christ after his arrest. This now being the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples. Jesus then asked three times if Peter loved him, and Peter responds three times, but on the third time it says Peter was grieved. The threes were leading to this grief of Peter. (laughs) Peter was grieved. Peter responds uh, three times. Uh, The repeated questioning of Peter, could you imagine loving someone and not being able to prove it, and they just ask you again and again do you love me? Do you really, do you love me? It, it, but this, this questioning, it points out the primary thing. What Jesus is calling Peter to will require faithful and committed love for him. So it was, it was imperative that he gets to this point. Um, his, his terms of, of calling folks are still the same today. I'm, I'm glad his terms and conditions haven't changed. Love for him. Peter is hurt that he repeatedly failed in the past, but also now that he had to reconfirm his love for the Lord three times. Knowing his, his words would never really be enough to prove his love, he adds to his last response uh, that Jesus not only knows that he loves him, but that Jesus knows everything. And Peter had a way of just saying things about the Lord. And I don't know if he recognized what he was saying when he said them, but it's almost like uh, Peter was here, though, giving up and throwing himself on the mercy of the court like, Lord, you know everything. You know how sometimes people say, uh, the Lord knows my heart. That's another sermon for another time. (laughs) This concession of Peter, uh, it reminds the reader that this Uh, resurrected Jesus is divine. Despite what teenagers might think, knowing it all is a characteristic of God alone. Only he is omniscient. So, So, but when Peter says he knows everything, he's calling Jesus omniscient. We we see next, he not only knows Peter's 
heart, but he also knows Peter's future. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, in verse 18, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. We know, we know the conversation is about to take an even heavier turn when we hear Jesus say, truly, truly. Uh, in King James, he would say, verily, verily. But here it's truly, truly. And, and it, really, it really just uh, is it, literally Jesus is just saying, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, the double saying of amen means uh, what, what's about to follow is not only true, but it's a truth that should not be missed. Jesus goes on to share with Peter that his calling is marked by sacrifice. His calling is marked by sacrifice. Not only would he be called to live for Jesus and carry out his will of, of shepherding his sheep, he will be called to die for him. Jesus describes and contrasts two stages of life for Peter. The young life that was self-willed and self-directed, capable of getting where he wanted to go and, and doing what he wanted to do. Anybody remember that part of life? Uh, um, some of us are still in it. <laughs> then Jesus describes the older life that is restricted by ability and under the direction of someone else. The cost of the calling is not only the giving up of the self-willed and self-directed life, but life itself. It's, it's debated whether the older life described by Jesus is only a timetable for when Peter would, would give his life for the calling, or if it describes his actual mode of death. Some say that the stretching out of the arms is a picture of, of, of being connected to the cross, being tied to it and being led away to death. In early, the early church tradition reports that, that Peter was actually crucified for his faith as a martyr, hung on a cross requesting to be hung upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same way his Lord Jesus was crucified. By the time this gospel was written, his death would have been known by, by all of the churches, uh, they, they would have been able to confirm his crucifixion and, and be impressed by Jesus, by, by Jesus' foretelling of it here in this conversation. We also see from this scripture that Peter would grow old. He said, when you're old, meaning he get to spend years living out the calling that Jesus had given him. There was an old uh, country preacher from Georgia who used to say uh, when a young person gave their life to the Lord that they came while they were able to give the Lord a full day's work. I like that. There, there's something sweet about a life that can be lived out for the Lord over many years. But then it's also never too late to start. <laughs> so if you started in your prime, it's never too late to start living for him. Another thing we notice in the scripture is that it says that Peter's death is going to glorify God. That means that Peter would be faithful to his calling all the way to the end. Uh, there's, there's plenty of good starts, but Peter was going to 
be faithful all the way to the end. Jesus uh, had been heard in his prayer as he prepared for his own death, saying that he had glorified the Father, having accomplished all the work that he gave him to do. What a testimony, uh, what, what, something to, to, to have written on your epitaph. This one glorified God. That's what Peter would do. After giving Peter the sacrificial cost of the calling, Jesus lays out the course for him. He tells Peter, just as simply as he did when he first called him, two-word directive, your mission, follow me. Follow me. You, you might think, how could you mess that up? Till we get near a mirror. <laughs> Follow me. The course of this calling, it, it, it's successful uh, completion. The path is in the footsteps of Jesus. And Jesus gives that to Peter. He says, Follow me. And when it's time and when Peter you know, after the, the Lord gives you a, a profound word, a message, a mission, when you should sit and meditate on it and consider what it means, Peter was doing something different. He, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. After Jesus gave the direction to follow him, Peter noticed that, that there's an eavesdropper on the, on the seaside conversation that he's having with Jesus. And, and it was John. It was John, the beloved disciple. He, his, his being there shouldn't have been a shock because he had made it his habit to be close to Jesus. He had been close at the, at the Last Supper, leaning back on to Jesus at the Last Supper. He was in the courtyard at his trial, and, and he was there at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. The text doesn't, doesn't say whether or not uh, he overheard Jesus telling Peter to follow him, but here on the shore, he notices that Jesus is on the move, and so he's not far behind. Isn't, isn't that how we should be, church? We should recognize that Jesus is on the move and just not be far behind. John uh, was not willing to take his eyes or ears off of the resurrected Jesus. Even after his, his, having his calling restored and explained, Peter wondered what part others would have in this calling of Jesus. He asked Jesus, and, and he gets a sharp response. <laughs> but notice, in, in his response to Peter, Jesus continues to give glimpses of his deity. He, the fact that he mentions how long John might live being connected with his own will for him portrays sovereignty over life and death. I, I, I can will that a person live forever, but I have no control over it. Jesus is Lord. 
He, he also shares an important part of the gospel that's, that's often neglected, something that, that Christians living at the time of this uh, uh, reading, um, Christians that were facing persecution, something that they would have rejoiced to hear. Jesus says, if he remains, if I, if I would that he remains until I come. Jesus speaks about his return. Uh, that, that's something, his, his second coming, which was a promise that strengthened the faith of believers in that day. And, and it's something that should bring joy to believers today, but we, we don't, I don't know that we talk about it much. Uh, <clears throat> knowing that he will one day return is a word of hope and encouragement uh, to continue in our own callings. Jesus redirects Peter. Don't worry about the cost of someone else's calling or what they will need to sacrifice. I imagine him looking into Peter's eyes and getting his full attention as he says again, you follow me. You follow me. It is the only way for you to carry out this calling, Peter. People will come, people will go, and everyone's journey is, is going to look different, but you are called to follow me. And I thank God that Peter did, that he was faithful all the way to the point of giving his life. We, we learn as he followed Christ and he grew older that Peter took all of the Lord's words that day to heart. He shares in 2 Peter 1 and 14, he says uh, that the putting off of his body would come soon. As Peter grew older, he, he knew. Uh, he says, just as the Lord Jesus had made clear to him, uh, what Jesus had told him that day stuck with him. He accepted and he carried out the calling. Imagine, imagine if this is what you heard when it was time to become part of the church. You're being called to a life of sacrifice for the sake of Christ, and you will need to give up your rights and your life to follow him. What if that was the call to come and be a part of the church? The church would probably look a lot different if we had these things in mind when we came. But I believe that it is the call. Uh, I believe Jesus wanted to make this clear when he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The world is, is full of crisis with people facing life and death situations daily. In the middle of all of that, Jesus looks at us, each one of us. He looks at us and he says, you, follow me. You follow me. It's a costly calling that requires sacrificial love, but this conversation with Peter helps us to see another thing. If we chosen to follow Jesus in life, somebody gets where I'm going. I see somebody nodding their head. If we've chosen to follow Jesus in life, we will also one day follow him in the resurrection. And that's good news, isn't it? Make sure that you are following Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you 
for this costly calling. We pray, Lord, that we take all that you've said to heart that uh, when we're confronted with the cost, when we're confronted with the weight, when we're confronted with the challenge, with the pain, with the struggle, with the strife, that we would recognize that it is the calling, that we would continue just to follow you, just like you walk through it all, that one day we'll walk through the, uh, the door of death into the resurrection and we would enjoy you forever. Mm. Glory to your name. Amen.